Hello and welcome to Press Church. I'm Melissa Hill. We have our e-bulletin available online with links to our Connect form and website. You can access this by opening the camera app on your iPhone or Android device and pointing it at the QR code on the screen. If you are new with us today, we are so glad you've joined us. Please connect with us by going to presschurch.tv or snapping the QR code with your device and clicking on the I'm new link. This is not a commitment to anything, but an opportunity for us to support you and thank you for joining us. Press Youth will be meeting tonight, 6 to 7.30 p.m. at our PAL campus. This is an amazing opportunity for our youth to connect with each other and learn more about God. Each Monday night from 6 to 8.15 p.m., we partner with the Dream Center in Delaware to deliver groceries to families in need. We build relationships with these families and grow in our own faith as we serve others. You can volunteer once or twice a month or even weekly. To find out how you can participate, please contact Pastor Jason at jason.allison at presschurch.tv. If you would like to join Press Church in making a difference in this community, there are four ways you can support us financially. If you are visiting a campus in person, there is a box by the back exit of the worship center where you can drop your support as you leave. If you would prefer to send a check, please send it to 8794 Big Bear Avenue, Powell, Ohio, 43065. The easiest way to give is by visiting our website or by texting any amount to the number 84321. Let's celebrate everything God has given us and support the community both locally and globally. Now let's prepare to engage what God has for us today. She said, I want a love that's just so perfect. When I wake up, I don't deserve it. I want a love that gives me freedom. Give it all up just to finally meet him. I know I've got God on my side. Give him the night. I want to ride. But don't know where to begin. I guess deeper than I know. I want a love that's just like Jesus. Well, good morning and welcome to Press Church. My name is Sean Lee and I'm lead pastor here. Uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we're so glad to have you. As well as those of you watching online, welcome. Hope you're all doing well. Um, so before I jump in too far, I've got two, uh, two announcements. First, we are doing communion today. So if you, if you want to join us in taking communion, the elements uh, were there at the front. So if you didn't grab them, make sure to grab some. Uh, as well as if you're online watching, feel free to, to get some elements to be able to join us later in that. The second thing is, um, this about a week or two ago, I was able to go over to Scioto Ridge Elementary, if you guys know, the right over here at school. Um, and we wanted, we had the idea of, of blessing them as the after summer. So what we're going to do, I reached out to their, uh, to their staff, and I'm still waiting to hear back exactly what we can do. But the idea is we want to do a drive this summer and put together materials that the teachers will need as they start up the new school year. So be on the lookout as we continue those relationships and continue those uh, talks, communications, because uh, basically through the summer we'll be putting stuff together. And it's a great way for us to be able to continue our relationship with them. Obviously, when we launched, it was in the middle of COVID, so we were very limited as to what we could do. But I've been able to talk to their principal and, and their uh, some of their staff. And uh, I just think that as a church and neighbors that we should be able to, to help and make that relationship or, or grow that relationship. So be on the lookout for that, uh, ways that we can start uh, basically collecting materials so that at the beginning of the year, we can bless them, uh, just be a good neighbor. So that's, that'll be coming up. Be on the lookout uh, for stuff like that. 
All right, so um, love. I think we have a, a problem with the word love. A uh, lot of different meanings. I can say I love spicy food. Anybody love spicy food? Yes, so good. Love spicy food. I can also say, like, I love Star Wars, right? Woo. And then I can say I love my wife. And it's like, okay, so I love spicy food and Star Wars, and I love my wife. Like, you guys pick it up, like, we use this word love a lot. We, we use it flippantly. Like, we just love, I, I, I love lamp, if you ever watch the old, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, there's, we just, we just, I, we, we like to use the word love. Uh, and, and there's very little meaning to it. And as you know, there's, the word is tossed around all over our society. And when we say love, a lot of times, there's, it's, it's more emotional, right? It's, it's a feeling or emotion. I love, you know, it's like, oh, I just got this feeling of love. And, and the problem, the problem with that is that it's, it's unstable. When it's just emotional like that, it's unstable. Because as soon as you no longer feel that emotion, it's gone. It's, where, where did it go? Once that feeling is gone, now I guess I don't love anymore. And it's just, it feels very unsta- unstable. So what is love? If we're talking about uncomfortable love, what is love? If you, if you joined us last week, we had the three pastors together, and we, we started digging into the series a little bit. And, and Pastor Jason used this. He, he, we asked Jason to, you know, hey, give us the biblical definition of love. And, and everything that he talked about, he came down to this one slide. It says this, love is action. That's what he said. Love is action. It's doing something. It's not just a, it's not just a feeling. Love is action. I saw a, a, a definition of this. Is, love is a choice to act for the well-being of someone else regardless of how they respond or what you get out of it. And when we think of love that way, it's like, oh, that, okay, that, it's got a little more to it than just I love spicy food. Like, I can't show my affection for spicy food. Like, I mean, I guess I can order more of it, and I'm showing my love, I guess. But, you know, it's like it's very limited, so we talk about love, it's this, it's this choice to act. And you may be moved emotion. I'm not saying it doesn't have any emotion to it, but there's an, there's an action to it. And so every week, if you've joined us before, the pastors, we get together, we hop in a car, and we start talking through the sermon for the day. So I'll invite you to watch this first video. I don't want to compare Jesus to Dave Chappelle. <laughs> but there are some links <laughs> in style. <laughs> Please elaborate. I'm, 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 I'm curious. You really set yourself out there with this one, Jason. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm genuine, genuinely uh, intrigued. I really think you could, at least in style, see how Dave Chappelle <laughs> uses similar tactics that Jesus used in getting a point across and making people think. Okay. He, he uses humor, right? He, he kind of okay. levels the playing field so everyone's kind of laughing and then all of a sudden he turns it and everybody goes, oh, I think Jesus <laughs> did similar things when he was teaching, especially with parables. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, they just people trucking along in the story, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And at the very end, fine, all of a sudden, yeah. twists it and smack, you, yeah. smack you upside the head. So. I think that's just brilliant communication. So, so next time people are watching Dave Chappelle, they're. Well, I'm not necessarily <laughs> recommending that you watch everything, but there, there is, you know, the, I, it's the, com the comedy. It's I'd a, recommend watching all of I mean, I mean I, it's all good stuff. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's, there are times. Half-baked, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a certain crowd, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think at the end of the day, when we're talking about this series, Uncomfortable Love, I think we have to get uncomfortable. I think that's the whole point of calling it uncomfortable love. I think we need to get out of our comfort zones and really look at the way that we love. And maybe look at the way, or maybe ask the question of why we love the way that we think we love. Or, or why we don't or love why we the way Jesus says that we should love. <laughs> yeah. That might there's, be the... There's a lot of questions. That might be the key one there. Yeah. <laughs> we, we talked about, like... Which, a lot of what you said last week, CR, and, and driving it back to this fear piece, you know, we're afraid of things, mm -hmm. and then we tend to live life out of fear, and so, because we live a lot of our life out of fear, we, we also love or don't love out of fear, too. It's easy to love when it's comfortable, right? I mean... Yeah, hey, we've gotten good at that. Yeah, we're, that's, I'm solid at that one. If everybody right. else is being loving, really easy for me to be loving. When we're comfortable, we're confident. Yeah. And, you know... Yeah. When, when we're confident, then eh, what's the problem, right? right? But it's when we, when something pokes in at that confidence, then we start to get a little squeamish. I think the problem is, is we think we're loving people. Right. We, yeah, I, I wonder if people really actually can say, well, yeah, I'm not being loving to somebody, you know, like right. really dig in on that, like that question you just asked. Yeah. I mean, who, who am I not loving? Like, at the end of the day, I think most people really feel like they're loving everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem is our confidence and our own approach to love. We think we're doing it right. Yeah. That's what I find so interesting about how Jesus interacts with people and those that come to him in particular confidence, mm -hmm. like, or, or, yeah. or they're trying to, you know, justify their position. Yeah. And he throws it back at him mm -hmm. and flips him on that and it's, it's like yeah we're all really super confident in <laughs> in ourselves and how we think that we're doing things the right way yeah. you know Jesus tell me what I haven't done right I've been doing all these things since I was a child yeah, I, rich and really, you yeah, know yeah. yeah or you know yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying here Jesus it's like this and it's like that so tell me where I'm wrong you know right. that kind of thing and I think like as Christians we approach things that way a lot of times. Like we think, well, we've we've got it figured out. I've been sitting in church for a number of years, or I've read a lot of the scriptures. I get the gist. I know what Jesus says, and I live it out. Well, <laughs> do you? Do you? That's that's like CR's like pious Christian voice. Yeah. Yeah. I do this, and I'm so I'm good. Awesome. I, I, I'm amazing. Yeah, I love better than everybody else. That's how I read all the memes on Facebook. <laughs> You're, you're right. It, it, if we're just talking about how to keep loving the way we're already loving, yeah. please reinforce uh, that's it. A, that's pointless. Uh, we, already, yeah. we're, we got that one nailed down. Yeah. The question is, do we have nailed down what the Bible calls mm -hmm. truly loving your neighbor, truly loving the people around you? Right. 
man, good questions. If you uh, have your Bibles and want to follow along today, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 10. Um, we're going to be looking through a scripture that, a passage that many of us are probably familiar with, uh, and it's the Good Samaritan. Working through the Good Samaritan today. Uh, I love this interaction, uh, this passage, the, the interaction that Jesus has. You see, I, I know, obviously, Pastor Jason was being a little facetious about saying uh, Dave Chappelle, but you see this creative communication from Jesus in this passage, and you see it many times when he has interactions. He he gets asked a question, and the way that he responds is genius. It's just it's just so good. And so we're going to work through uh, the Good Samaritan today. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 25. It says this, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now I'm going to pause here for a second. Expert in law does not mean a lawyer. This guy wasn't like a, a lawyer as we think of as a lawyer. He, this is a religious professional. Let's put it that way. This guy knew the Old Testament scriptures like he knew, he knew his stuff, right? He was, uh, again, professional Christian. Say it like that. And he, was, he wasn't just asking a, a real question. Like he was, it says it in this. He wanted to, to test Jesus. So we got this religious professional trying to test Jesus. Let's continue. 26. He says, this is Jesus' response, right? He, doesn't, he just says, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. Now, I could, I could feel like this, this, you know, if he's trying to test Jesus, like, <clears throat> okay, okay, all right, but we move on. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And this is where Jesus goes into the story. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So I want to break down the story a little bit and, and, and talk through some of the, you know, some of the contextual things. But you have a scenario. He, 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 he puts us in a story. There's a man walking down this trail from Jerusalem to Jericho. This is roughly a 17-mile trek. It would have been really windy, treacherous roads. Like it, it, the people of this time would have known this this trail. They would have no, they, they would have given them a picture. They would have known. Okay, guy by himself walking a 17-mile journey, uh, dangerous. Okay, so the guy gets mugged. He gets beat, half dead. And this is where Jesus introduces some more characters. Out, out comes a priest. 
feel like he's like setting up like the you know like a priest, a rabbi, a Catholic man, go into a bar. It's like he's setting up one of these things. But it's like so you have a priest. This priest comes out and he sees him. He's walking and he sees him, and he he just he he passes. He goes on the other side. He he doesn't help him. And then right after you have this Levite. He comes and and, and passes around. And I heard somebody say this, in, in, in saying a priest and a Levite, it's almost like saying a Catholic priest and a Christian pastor. You have these, like, religious people, right? You have these uh, well-known religious leaders. And you would maybe think, oh, well, maybe they would stop, right? They're the religious, they're the good people, right? And we see they just pass. And there's, if you look it up, you can find all these different reasons why they wouldn't have stayed. And it's funny, because there's, like, sermons on, you know, why the priest didn't or why the Levite didn't. And at the end of the day, we don't, we don't know why. You can allude to whatever you want, but Jesus doesn't say. He just says they pass him. The priest and the Levite, they pass him. They don't help. And up to this point in the story, you know, the, the guy's probably listening to the story, and he's like, okay, fine. This is all right, whatever. And then this is where, like, Jesus starts pushing the envelope a little bit because here's where the Samaritan comes. And as soon as he says Samaritan, you got to imagine, like this would have caused a, like this would have caused a little something in this religious guy, because Samaritans weren't liked. They're like the half breeds. They're like the you don't worship like we worship. The other, the outside, the no goods, the like the vile. Like I don't want to be. I don't want anything to do with these people. And here comes the Samaritan, and I could almost see like the religious guy being like, oh, of course, yeah, the Samaritan. All right, right. He's doing the, okay, whatever. So we have this. The Samaritan comes in, and he sees him. And the first thing it says, it says he took pity on him. And in some translations, you can see it says he had compassion. There's a, there's a compassion. And when you, when you dig into this word, into this phrase, it actually means to be moved in your bowels. He was moved in his bowels for this man. Now, he didn't, you know, have a, you know, bad milkshake or something the night before or something. Like, it was like he, it wasn't that concerning. It's like this combination of, of like, care and compassion and all these things. Like, he was moved to do something. He took pity. And, and you see him begin to act. He goes to him. He bandages him. He pours oil and wine. He's like, he's taking, like, really good care of this guy. And then from there, he, he puts him on his donkey, and he goes, and he takes him to an inn and takes care of puts him in the inn. And the thing I never noticed before, this is, this is the great thing of, you know, reading through Scripture and getting time to really soak in this. I, I never really noticed this. He stayed the night with him. I mean, you can see it in verse 35. It says, the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the inn. So he stayed with him that, that night, that time. He stayed with him, and then he paid for his stay. And not only did he pay for his stay, and, and by the way, this two denarii probably would have been at least two weeks' worth of, of lodging. That's, that's no small thing. I actually heard one person say two months' worth. But for the most part, at least two weeks' worth of, of lodging and care. And then he says this, keep the tab open. Just hey, whatever you need. I'll be back when it comes. I'll settle, I'll settle stuff when I come back. Whatever he needs. That's, that's, that's pretty lavish. For someone he doesn't know, like, and who knows, even on this trail, like, that could have been a, a, a trap for somebody else to get him. 
He goes and he helps him. He takes care of him. He bandages the wounds. He puts him on his donkey. He takes him to the inn. He stays with him. He pays for him and says, hey, open tab, whatever he needs. I'll be back. It's a beautiful story of this like sacrificial hero who the people of that time would have scoffed at. Like, geez, there's no way. And, and I think we can read this story and think, okay, this is a great story. I need to be more helpful. I need, you know, I need to help the needy. I need to be more charitable. Like, I need, I, I need to go the extra mile. And I think that's all great, but I think we may be missing something. There was a question right before Jesus tells the story. Was the question how to take care of people? No. The question was, who is my neighbor? Which is interesting because Jesus doesn't really answer that question either. He, the, the question is, who is my neighbor? And then at the, the end of the story, Jesus asked the, the religious man, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the robbers? And as I mentioned earlier, this religious guy doesn't like Samaritans. He can't even say the Samaritan. He said, the one who had mercy on him. He can't even say the Samaritan. But he acknowledges, okay, the, the Samaritan acted as a neighbor, acted like a neighbor. And then Jesus' final reply, go and do likewise. You've acknowledged that this is, he acted as a neighbor. He did all of these things, as lavish, took care, everything. And then Jesus says, you, you acknowledge correctly, now go and do likewise. Go and do like him. Wow. How many of us have, even for a friend, put him up in a hotel for a couple weeks and had an open tab, like, hey, <laughs> treat yourself, right? Have fun, just do what you need. Like, th this is like, this is like next level care. And I try to think, okay, What's the point that Jesus is trying to get across here? Is this the roadmap to love your neighbor? I mean, we like roadmaps, right? We want to be told, like, tell me how to do it. Tell me the right way to do it. Tell me how to do it, and I'll do it. I, I, don't, think it's, I don't think it's necessarily a roadmap. If, if any of you guys still have your Bibles open, what does it say in verse 29? Leading up to the story, if you have your Bibles on, maybe you don't, that's fine. I know we like to put the verses up for you. Verse 29 says this. It says, he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? This is what started the story. This is, this is what motivated Jesus to tell the story that he did. The, the man asked, and it, he even said before the question, it said he wanted to justify himself. And so he asked, who is my neighbor? This word justify, it means to render righteous. He wanted to prove his own righteousness. He wanted to prove how good he was. He wanted to prove that he knew best. So who is my neighbor? I, I think we have a, a problem in our society that, that's very similar to this. We are really good at justifying. I'm really good at justifying why I do what I do. Why I say the things that I say, why I treat people the way I treat people. 
I like to justify it. And we will do that. We all do it. We justify why we do the things that we, we do. It's in the church. It's in politics. It's in business. It's everywhere. There's justifications everywhere. And it's this, this, this desire to, to, get, to be self-righteous. Oh, of course I have it right. It's like, you know, CR said in the video, like, we, of course I love people. I love the way that Jesus said to love. Of course. I've been a Christian my whole life. I'm a pastor. Guys, let me tell you how to love. Just follow me for a week. I'll, I'll just show you. Like, I'm perfect. I love the chuckles because you know how, like, not true it is. <laughs> but deep down, we know it's true, right? Like, we don't even question the way we live. Our, like, I just... I do it right, and we, we read Scripture in that way. We will read Scripture, and we'll find verses to justify the way that we treat other people, even if it's not quite Christ-like. Well, you know, that one time Paul called out that one person in this way, and so, you know, I, that's just how I live my life. Okay. Not sure that that's like, you know, the, the nugget to take away from that verse, but if that's how you want to live your life. And so... I have one main question that I, that I want to ask ourselves, and it's this. What is your justification for not loving your neighbor? What is your justification for not loving your neighbor? If you are that religious person talking to Jesus, and he says, you know, love your neighbor, well, Jesus, do, do we have to, like, you know, like, evangelize to him first and tell him that, like, they're sinning? And that the way that they're living their life is wrong before I can, you know, like, love them. And I feel like he would just go into another story and another parable and ask another question. Well, but they've got, they wear a MAGA hat, and I don't like that. They, they, they're, they're flying the rainbow flag this week. And that's just, that's just wrong. They, they, they voted for that person. They say this stuff. They, they think differently than me. They look differently than me. They don't make as much money. They're wrong. They're stupid. It's because they're not intelligent enough to know what I know, and so I'm not going to treat them that way. What's your justification? And imagine taking that justification to Jesus and saying it to him. Hey, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Because, you know, I, I live next to people, and I'm nice. We have cookouts. We grab some drinks. Like, we, we're cool. Like, nice. We watch their kids. You know, I mowed their lawn once. That's easy. That's easy. There's no sacrifice there. That's not uncomfortable. That's, like, socially acceptable love, right? We're good at socially acceptable love within our own pockets of people. CR brought up last week with the, with the in-group and out-group. We're good at, at, at boundaries and creating groups. You have your in-group and your out-group. In your in-group, you're, you're good. You treat them a certain way, all's good. That, eh, that group over there, eh. Keep them at arm's length. I'll be nice to them, right? Maybe. I'll put a bunch of memes making fun of why they think the way they think, but, you know, I'm, I'm fairly nice to them. What boundaries are getting in the way of us loving our neighbor? What justifications? I, th this, this story of the Good Samaritan, to me, it, it just calls out self-righteousness. It just calls it out. 
What excuses are you making for not loving your neighbor? Is it because you're trying to find that loophole? I can't tell you how many times, you know, it's like being a pastor. Well, what do you think about this? How far is too far? What am I allowed to get away with? That's usually the way we think, right? It's like, this is uncomfortable, so I, or I really like to do this thing. I know it's not the greatest for me. So, like, how far can I go before it's a sin, right? But this story, it calls out self-righteousness. This spirit of pride and self-righteousness, Jesus is calling it out. And he could have just answered, everyone's your neighbor. No. He tells a story that gets to the heart of what's really going on, is that this person has a heart problem. Because he views himself better than somebody else. He wants to try to justify why he doesn't love someone like a Samaritan. And Jesus is calling it out. This series, Uncomfortable Love, I think too many of us, myself included, I mean, that's, I say this is like the worst part of teaching every week. Like, I have to just, it's like, oh man, I don't do this well. But even I've made justifications for not being uncomfortable in how I love. It's safer this way. What if, what if I show love in the way that I feel like God's asking me to show love? What if somebody sees that and, and thinks that I'm like weird? Or what if they think that I agree with them if I show love to them? Or what, what's the uncomfortable tension that you're working through in loving your neighbor? How do I show love to the people around me that doesn't share my political views, that doesn't define love the way I define love, that doesn't share my beliefs, my convictions? on any side of the political aisle, on any sort of life, whatever it is, I don't care. Like, what, what justifications are you making? And is it a justification that you think, like, God's put in place, or is it a justification that keeps you safe? It's uncomfortable. It's hard. We, we, we like to be around people that think like us. We like to be around people that look like us, that share the same values. It's safe. It's comfortable. It's natural. But that's not what God's calling us to. And we can continue on in our comfortable bubble and keeping our boundaries, you know, tight. Or we can step in to the type of love that Jesus is asking of us. The very first question that, that started this story was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That was the very first question that the guy asked Jesus. He comes to him and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I, I believe this whole story, it, it points to a gospel message. The, the answer is love God and love your neighbors yourself. That was, the, that was the answer to what must I do to inherit eternal life. And I, and I asked, like, how well are we doing that? How well are you loving God and loving others today? Loving the neighbor as yourself. How have, you know, have you gone and been like the Samaritan today? Have you treated anybody lavishly with love or taken care of them? This, this story seems to blur the lines, right, of who's good and who's not and who's in and who's out. And, and I believe this story highlights, and this is why I said I feel like it's, it, it points to the gospel message. This story points to how much we need Jesus, I can't be like the Samaritan every day of my life. I, I, I just can't. I'm going to fall short of that. 
It's, it's like, you know, when Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler, like to sell everything, like he, he was giving him a thing. It was like, you can't do this on your own. You can't be good enough. You can't be giving enough. You can't be charitable enough. Like all this that you're trying to do in your own power. Hey, if you want to live by the law and be bound by the law and do all that stuff and try to be you know, righteous by yourself, good luck. Have fun with that. For me, I'm going to humble myself and say, Jesus, I need you. I'm broken. I know that I can't love the way I'm supposed to love. And I, I feel like Jesus is calling this out in the story. Like, oh, you want to you earn it on your own? Here's what you got to do. This is your neighbor, and this is how to do it. Go and do likewise. Good luck. And I think we all can feel that. We all know just how limited we are to truly love the other, to truly love our neighbor as ourself. We need Jesus. It's the gospel message. We can't do it on our own. It's only through the sacrifice of Jesus that we are able, through the, through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we have a chance. Because I'm selfish. I'm selfish. I'll admit it. And if you have any pastors, I'm selfish. Ask my wife. Ask my kids. My kids are like, Daddy, run, play with me. No, I want to sit down. I'm tired. <laughs> Every parent's like, yeah. Like, there's times when I'm not. I have flickers of goodness, right? But I need Jesus. I need his help. As you came in, you received the elements for communion. And I think this is, you know, this is a great way to kind of come full circle with this. You know, Jesus is showing to the religious man just how little he can do on his own. Like, yeah. This is the way to you're love love God and love love others as yourself. Here's how to do it. Go go and do likewise. And and I think Jesus is telling all of us like, we need Him. We need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, because we are going to struggle, and it's hard loving people that that are different than us, loving people that are like us. It's just hard. Like love your spouse, love your best friend. It's still hard. It's still extremely hard. And if it's uncomfortable to do that, imagine like how much more uncomfortable it is to, to love truly your neighbor. Who's the Samaritan in your life? Who's the other that you've put and, and, and lowered and put them in another category? I think, I think God wants us to rely on him. I think God wants us to have his heart and his mind for the people around us. And when you look at the people that Jesus talked to and interacted with, it, it, it'll humble you because he wasn't talking to the safe people and he wasn't putting himself in a position to, to look good. He came to serve. He came to lay down his life for us sinners because we needed it. That's the foundation of our faith. The Christ, he came, he lived a perfect life. He set a great example, an example that we can only hope to come close to and then he, he died a sinner's death for us, knowing that we couldn't do it on our own. And that's what we believe. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's what, that's what you believe. You believe that, that Jesus lived a perfect life, he died and he rose again. And so as we take communion today, this is what we celebrate. We remember, we are thankful, 
we give thanks, we celebrate all the different things. So let's, let's together, let's all get out the, the cracker, the wafer. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he was together with his disciples and broke bread together and he, and he came to them and he said, this is, this is my body which has been broken for you. Take it in remembrance of me. So let's take it together in remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Later that night, they were they had the cups with wine. He said, "This is my." blood which has been shed for you. This is again, in remembrance we celebrate, we're thankful for what this means for us today. Let's take it. After the service, we'll, we'll have a team of, of people in the back if you would like prayer. Um, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, this is no better time than now. Don't have to do anything fancy. Confess with mouth, Jesus Lord, believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's, this, is, this is the faith that we have. That Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we may have eternal life with him, that we may be made righteous. We're not made righteous through our own actions but it's through him, it's through the blood of Jesus that we are made righteous. I'm gonna ask you to stand, I'm gonna pray, and then we'll continue in worship. Jesus, we thank you for this time together. And God, I pray that through this series, Uncomfortable Love, uh, maybe God, I think we need to be uncomfortable. I think I think a lot of us, we just, we do what feels good to us. We, we love the way it just is safe to love. That just doesn't seem like the example that, that you set forward, God. And I pray that that today we would look into the justifications of why we don't love the way we that we should love. That we would think about the boundaries that we put. God, we need your heart. We need your spirit, God. We need you to lead us. We need your help. In a time in a society that's so divided and so much division and so much hatred and so much just just evil towards one another, God. We, we need you. And I pray that, that us as a church, for those here, for those watching, for those who are a part of this, this community, God, I pray that we would be able to lead uh, with a love that re reflects you. And we know that we need you. We know we can't do that on our own. We know we need you, God. Give us the strength. Give us the wisdom. Give us the guidance. Lead us by your spirit. We thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you for all that you've done for us, the grace, this mercy that we don't deserve. This beautiful love that you put on all of us. We are thankful. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's continue this time of worship.